0: Three, two, one, roll the
1: phone.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today is the CEO and co-founder of Kin Insurance, an insurance technology company that's changing home insurance from what it is to what it should be. Previously, he founded Fee Fighters, a payment company bought by Groupon and TSS Radio, an e-commerce company that became an Inc. 500 fastest growing company. Before that, Sean was a consultant at the Boston Consulting Group and an investor at Longworth Venture Partners. Welcome, everybody, Sean Harper.
1: Hey there. Thanks for having me.
0: Cool to have you here and hot topics that you bring. We'll talk why making a big play is easier than making a small play and why hard problems will lead to faster growth. I have my notepad. I will learn a lot from you. First of all, what are you currently creating?
1: So I've been working on this company, Kin Insurance, since 2016. So coming up on five years and... The thing thing that we noticed about insurance is a lot of people are pretty dissatisfied with it. You know, if you look at the net promoter score of people with their insurance companies, it's pretty low. It's in the you know low forties, depending on the line of insurance. Second, if you look at the companies that are doing this, they're all really old. So the average, we do, we do homeowners insurance. We insure homes. And the average home insurance company is more than 100 years old. So what we decided to do was, hey, let's build it entirely from scratch, because these competitors, they're not built for this world. You know, they're not built in a way that helps customers with what they want. They're not built in a way that allows them to adapt to a world that's changing faster than it ever has before. So Kin insures homes, and we insure, uh, you know, homes in uh, all areas of the country, including areas where you know things can get get pretty risky with respect to the weather, and you now have a situation with global warming and climate change and everything, where actually the majority of the population in the United States does live in areas that are impacted by climate change. If you look at our three biggest states, it's California, Texas, Florida. These are all countries that are experiencing natural disasters, and it's hard for us. We like. We'll have to work collectively as a society to remedy that there's nothing kin can do about that. But what kin has decided to do is, is build an insurance company that is designed for that world and to help customers at least, at least manage their risk. We can't abandon California. We can't abandon the Carolinas. We can't abandon Florida. These are some of the biggest States. They're actually States that are growing really fast. Instead, we just need to figure out how to manage, manage the risk. And that means building our homes in a way that allows us to, to, to uh, be more resistant to those types of events. And it also means having an insurance company that's really expert at pricing those risks accurately and syndicating the risk you know, basically diversifying the risk out to the financial markets so that at least customers know that they're hedged, right? You're, this is the whole point of insurance is, yeah, something bad might happen, but you're insured against it. So you can go on with your life. So, so that's what Kim does. We, uh, you can hit our website, insure your house. It takes three clicks, a couple of minutes. And our net set, our net promoter score is really high. It's like 87. So much, 87. much higher than the industry. Yeah. So people,
0: if you don't know the net promoter score, how it gets calculated, it's from minus 100 to plus 100. Harvard University has 35 net promoter score, which is not that bad, but people get out of them and are in-depth, so they leave 35. And so 40 is okay. Uh, Apple has right now around 75. We started with 50. Every week we get better. But just because we have only one product, now we are at 85. But we have only one thing that we do, doubling the revenue of companies in one-to-one sprints of 90 days. That's it. We do nothing else. And so then you can improve it every week. And you have 87. That's excellent. Excellent. How, how is that possible? How, how do you make that?
1: <laughs> well, we're very focused on what the customer wants. And we just pay, you know, traditionally insurance companies, they have a lot of handoffs. Right? There's an insurance broker or agent that's responsible for part of it. Then there's the insurance company. The insurance companies outsource most of their technology to companies like Duck Creek and GuideWire, And then they also outsource their claims experience to companies like Sedgwick and Crawford. So there's all of these handoffs what you find is uh, the handoffs are are areas where where customers sort of fall between the cracks and they're not happy. So, what uh, Kim, what we've done is we built it all from scratch on a really modern tech stack and we're vertically integrated. We do literally everything. There's no external agent. There's no external claims company. There's no external software. And so, you know, similarly, we're focused on just one thing. We insure homes. We don't do any other kinds of insurance. Uh, and we're just laser, laser focused on removing all of the inefficiencies. And I will say the the competitive bar is pretty low. You know, it's very, very hard to start an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And what that's created is a situation where the insurance companies that are out there right now, they don't they don't really face a lot of competitive intensity. And so they don't need to be excellent. They know that they're going to get customers whether they're excellent or not. And, and so really a lot of what we do is we just... You know, we look at what the customers want, and if we see an issue, we fix it. We have full control over the stack so we can do that. And and that's, that's really all they expect.
0: People out there, this is so important, especially if you are a startup. Do one thing for one particular group of people and do that so well. And when you dominate that, when you are so good that your NPS is high, your re- organic referral is high, and uh, and you are really rocking it. Then start the adjacent or additional offerings. And so how? And especially if you don't measure the NPS, let's give me. Let's let's. Would you like to share? How do you do it? How how often do you measure? How do you measure? Is it email, a call?
1: We we measure. Uh, we, we survey every customer, and we do that via email and text message, and we do it sort of after an interaction with the customer. Uh, and we get we get a pretty high response rate. It's you know easy. It's you know just a couple of questions and the customers are pretty engaged and they want to tell us. They want to tell us if we did a good job and they want to tell us if we did a bad job.
0: Because some of our clients, we install the NPS with every client, and some of our clients then say, report a low response to that, which, Is sometimes surprising because it tells you that you are not seen as a partner as a trusted partner who has skin in the game who wants them to win who cares basically because when you don't answer that you say you don't really care so i'm not gonna put in my five minutes but if you feel like okay sean wants really to know what he can improve because he will improve that he will implement my feedback then of course the the rate is higher. How did you make it? What was the rate high from the beginning or did it grow?
1: Yeah, I I don't remember, to be honest. I think it's always been pretty high since the beginning. Uh yeah, you know, and, and we make it easy. It's I mean, we're we're pretty good. We have a marketing team that's pretty good at getting reactions out of customers. Yeah, you know, that's a really important part of how we get customers in the first place. And so I think it was, it was natural for them to be able to design sort of like a survey, you know, a contact cadence and the right copy in the emails and texts and other contacts that we send the customers in order to get them to respond. So the lack of response wasn't a problem that we, we ever had.
0: Cool. Yeah. So let's, let's go there because many people right now are thinking, oh, how do I do a marketing in a way that is engaging, that starts conversations? So you have found some, some things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think the most important thing is like, just find something customers care about and do that, you know, that, that for me, and, and, and I know there's like lots of other business models out there, but the thing that was really exciting to us about this business was customers do really care about it, especially in parts of the country where the weather is more volatile and they're very vocally underserved by their existing options. And that's what got us excited. You know, we're we're serial entrepreneurs. We looked at lots and lots of ideas when we were thinking about this one, and and we found one that people, you know, really really needed.
0: And weather is getting more volatile in in the whole US, right? Both both coasts are are getting more and more jacked up.
1: All over, man. Like, and not even just the coasts. You know, last year one of the biggest. Uh, weather events was this derecho that went through the Midwest, it, you know, slammed Iowa really hard. Uh, you know, it's, it's happening everywhere.
0: I am curious who you do you pick for the strategy award, especially because you have been also a strategy consultant in your <laughs> career. After one word from our sponsors. Hey! If you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. You can pick only one person when everybody's zigging, this person is zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. So this is this is one in the insurance industry. Uh, there's a there's a guy named Mike Millette, and he has a really interesting fund called Hudson Structured Capital Management. They're backing a lot of really really innovative ideas in insurance and risk transfer uh and they're doing it sort of quietly behind the scenes but they're making a huge difference in this you know issue that we've been talking about which is our societies and humanities resilience to changes and resilience to risk uh so so yeah mike mike millet at hudson structured capital management
0: super cool And uh, you have been a strategy advisor for one of the biggest advisories. Uh, I have also been that from junior consultant, consultant, senior consultant, project manager, senior project manager, principal. And uh, I'm curious about your experience and your journey because I have loved it. Uh, And everybody was like, Simon, when do you stop this thing? And it was like, well, but the clients are so cool. The project are so cool. I do one more year. I do one more year. I really liked it. What was your why did you do it? What was your experience?
1: Oh, I loved it, too. And, you know, Lucas, my co-founder, is also a strategy, you know, a, a consultant at Accenture. And it's just such a good experience, especially when you're early in your career. You get to see so much and you're given so much responsibility. You know, I actually think it's great training to be an entrepreneur because you drop in literally to the situation at a company that you don't know anything about. And you don't know anybody that works there. And you're still expected to sort of you know solve these really big problems for them. And I think, you know, uh, I think oftentimes they do, right? There's this, there's this concept that we always used to talk about at BCG called the beginner's mind, where if you assume nothing and you start from first principles, you start from, you know, knowing nothing, you ask all the dumb questions, you figure it out from scratch, you'll often come up with a really excellent outcome because all these industries, like they're just so stuck in the way they've always done it. And, you know, often that makes sense, but it's also, you know, it's something that's sub-optimized for a situation that might've been relevant 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, but it's not the right solution right now. So yeah, we, we, we loved our experiences as, as, as consultants.
0: I love that you say first principles and beginner's mind. I am preparing for next week when another strategy advisor will be here, Perry Marshall. And, uh, and I am going through all the content again. Uh, and uh, he, he was all about first principle and just getting the fundamentals right. 80-20 all the time, 80-20 all the time, just the basics. But there is so much wisdom in what you just said. If you just do the beginner's mind, the fundamental question, really the, the, the first principle questions, this is so important. Uh, When advising, but also when running your own business, and you say, "Okay, let's let me forget. Why is this our favorite channel? Is this really where our people hang out? And that's why we should be on LinkedIn versus Clubhouse? Uh, What is the assumption behind that? Is it still true?" And so I'm curious, what are the three books that um, influenced you
1: most? The first one is also risk related against the gods by Peter Bernstein. It's like really interesting book about sort of the origination of our understanding of probabilities. Uh, The second one is saving capitalism from the capitalists, which is an amazing book. And you know, the, the, the insight that comes from that book is, and that was written by two of my university professors from, from when I went to college, you know, the, the, our uh, economy, actually, we think of it as being capitalist, but I think it's actually probably more corporatist. Hmm. And so you end up with these rules and structures that really support these big entrenched businesses that really act sort of as an oligopoly. And you, because these businesses have a lot of influence on public policy, you actually end up with a situation where, you know, capitalism is about free entry and exit. Capitalism is about competition. The competition is hard on companies yes but it forces them to become great and the benefits accrue to the consumer like that's how capitalism is supposed to work i think right now you have a situation where actually our capitalist system capitalist system in quotes is really benefiting the entrenched interests and these big corporations and we need to have rules that you know get us back because capitalism works great uh but i think i think we're sort of ossifying you know as an economy because we don't we don't have uh, enough competitive intensity facing these big, these big entrenched, uh, you know, interests. And then the last one is also related to probability is called fooled by randomness. And this is a book about how um, we uh, really discount the likelihood of some of these unlikely events. And yes, they're unlikely, but they're more likely than you think. And they can be huge in magnitude. These are the black swan events. And it's really important that we're always thinking about, you know, how we could benefit from a black swan event or protect ourselves from a black swan event uh, because because they do happen. Right. And they they actually happen pretty often if you're paying attention. One of your
0: CEO tips is if we go bigger, it's less risky. Can you unpack that?
1: Yeah. Um, So this is something where I think like Silicon Valley is really in San Francisco has really picked up on this, which is. If you make the big play, if you say, I'm not just going to build a service provider to the industry, I'm going to reinvent the industry or I'm not just going to build a faster airplane. I'm going to build a spaceship. Uh, You know, it's really easy to get people motivated around that. Right. Investors want to invest in a company that's making a big play that's going to be revolutionary that's one of a kind employees want to work there too right you have all these people sitting around sort of bored at work doing trying to like beat their EPS number for the next quarter trying to grow their revenue by five percent you know do things just slightly better and they're not excited they're not motivated especially the very best people the very best people they want to work on something that's going to change the world and so that's that's what we figured out is, you know, and, and I think that I think that the rest of the world needs to pick up on this a little bit more and follow the you know, ethos of Silicon Valley, where let's do the big thing because it's easy to get people excited about it. It's easy to raise money for it or easier anyway, versus you can just grind away forever, you know, really hard to hire the best people, really hard to attract a lot of capital to these sort of like incremental derivative plays.
0: You are just raising a serious C, I, I think. How is it right now to raise capital in the pandemic?
1: Um, so we raised we raised our last round of capital like in the very thick of the pandemic. And you know, I think I think one of the nice things is that investors do it can be good and bad. Capital flows so easily in our economy right now. And so expectations can change really quickly. So, you know, the the when when we ended up raising money last uh, May, I guess it was, we had just shut down the economy, right? We just can't fly anywhere. We had just, you know, people can't go to work. And even just like two months later, we had adjusted, right? The capital markets were going again, people were investing, people were doing IPO roadshows over Zoom, which is I think something that nobody could have possibly imagined. And, and it just shows how quickly we're able to adapt sometimes when something happens. And I think it's really inspiring. Um, you know, so from our perspective, the capital markets have returned to how they sort of were before, you know, big ideas and great companies are still able to raise raise lots of money. And, uh, you know, that's that's good. That's exciting. It's good for everybody because, you know, sort of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Competition is, is good for our society. Competition is... Uh, Good for the consumer.
0: And I think it could even be proven mathematically, your first CEO tip, that when you go for a bigger aim, even if you fail, the probability, like let's say you go for 1 billion, uh, the probability that you hit 600k is higher than if you go for 500k that you hit 600k. I think it, it, everybody can, can, can feel that in their experience, right?
1: I think that's true. Uh, you know, and, and it's the average end up being higher. Uh, and I'm not sure if the median is higher, uh, but, but it, you know, it, it very well may be that the median is higher too. And also it's a lot more fun. If you, know, you just think about like what makes, this goes back to making people excited and making the most out of our time here on the planet. You know, it is a lot more fun to do things that are big and inspiring and revolutionary than to do things that are incremental.
0: There is wisdom in this. yeah. And uh, I think many, especially European entrepreneurs like me, we are not used to think big. We sometimes invent very small parts of the wheel, everybody alone and beside each other instead of thinking more in an integrated and on, on a bigger level what are we uh shaping together
1: absolutely yeah, I think, are better. you know i i think uh, europe you know it's because it's an older society it's less dynamic it's i think harder for people to make those sort of like revolutionary plays than it is in in other countries in other countries that are you know younger
0: your second CEO tip is somewhat counterintuitive. If you go for the harder problems, you can expect bigger growth.
1: Yeah. So we love hard things. People are always saying, you know, especially people from the legacy industry like, "Oh, that's so hard. It's never been done before." And that's when we know we're onto something. Because we like doing hard things. You know why? Cuz no one else is doing it. The worst thing that you could possibly do is do something that's easy because guess what? There are a thousand other people doing that. There are a thousand other companies doing it and you're just gonna be lost in the noise. You know, and also I would say like to zoom out a little bit, if you're doing the same easy thing that everybody else is doing, what benefit are you adding to society? So we love the hard things. We we try to identify them and then we try to come up with a new solution to it, uh, you know, and, and really think from scratch just sort of goes back to the beginning of the conversation. A lot of the times, people just assume that it can't be done, just because it hasn't been done recently or hasn't been done before. They assume that it can't be done. That's that's often not true because we have new tools at our disposal, and we could try again. and We could think about it in a different way. And oftentimes, I think these you know these things can be tackled.
0: I love this. The extra mile is never crowded, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm personally. Uh, I'm an endurance uh, guy. So I I do triathlons and when I go running, I run always a little bit more than is comfortable because I like to have in every day once this moment where I am like, okay, let's give up, that's enough. Because the overcoming of that, the just waiting patiently, it will transform and then you're over that point. And, And then I'm energized, I'm proud. And I'm ready for one day of entrepreneurship, which will need exactly this skill and exactly this mindset,
1: right? Totally. And the skill is right, right? This is something that you learn. Like if you never stretch yourself, it's going to seem so hard. But if you're used to it, if you're always doing it, you're always doing the hard thing, you're always tackling the impossible, you just get used to it. And then the next challenge doesn't seem so big.
0: Absolutely. Where can people read more about your journey, about you and your company?
1: Ah, uh, best spot is kin.com. That's ki It's k i n. dot com. It's kin like family. You know, who would you rather have insuring your home than a member of your family? We take that very seriously. Mm. Uh, we have you know uh, uh, a blog on Medium that we post to a lot, and uh, you know you can follow us on on Twitter and all that other stuff. Uh, and, and there's links to all of that off the website. Cool.
0: Are you on Clubhouse?
1: I'm on Clubhouse. Yep.
0: All right, I'm having my first event on Clubhouse in half an hour, talking sales, and I'm curious if I if I find the right buttons, etc. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Clubhouse is great. I didn't think I would like it, uh, but I but I really do like it. It's really cool. It's like a live podcast, uh, you know. And, and I I'm bummed I didn't discover it earlier. Absolutely. And who should be my next guest? Um, I have uh, a friend who's a really innovative entrepreneur. His name is Sebastian Villarreal. Uh, he's doing a really interesting company called Super, which is uh, an insurance company in Mexico City, and uh, they're they're bringing a lot of really innovative insurance products uh, to to the Mexican market, which is is one that uh, you know is is not uh, as developed as you know some of the other markets with respect to insurance.
0: Thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show, sharing your journey with us, your tactics, your wisdom.
1: And Thank you very much for having me.
0: Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one Sprint Coach. We double your revenue in 90